1: What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I am joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, my friend? Hi, friends.
2: I'm doing well. That is, I I believe, at this moment, more than I can say for you, as we have just just watched the the ending of the Brewers game, or you watched, I followed. I didn't watch. uh, It was blacked out.
1: Thanks, MLB T V. Anyways. So I just um, God I, thank I saw, goodness
2: I didn't have to watch it though. I saw a statistic on Twitter.
1: Okay. Let's go.
2: Get it out. Uh this this was from Get it out. go ahead. Patrick uh WQ. I'm absolutely saying Dubuque? that wrong. Dubuque. Yeah, there you go. WQ. Uh,
1: the cla- the, the, the,
2: <laughs> the 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 classic Iowa City of WQ.
1: Uh the, Yeah, it's, the, it's the, the
2: you know the the twenty yeah. second letter of the it's alphabet. Not, it's, not, it's, not called,
1: it's not called barbecue there. Um, it's called debecue, Yeah. Anyways, continue.
2: I, I as a as a new member of the South, I love some bubuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the stat, the statistic. We're off to a good Acor- start. According <laughs> to fan graphs... Josh Hader had a WPA, that's a win probability added, or in this case, taken away, of negative 0.963 tonight. So, the most WPA you can lose, I believe, is one, because you can't take away more than one win in a game.
1: I don't even know if it's possible to even lose one. I'm not
2: sure. I'm not sure. Uh, But according to StatHead, which is a a database that kind of tracks... All baseball games ever it's it's a dope database uh, among single inning pitchers that's the 19th worst performance since 1901 mm. so so you figure you figure like a performance like that you only see like like once every like six years or so it's like haters comet.
1: uh how, how you feeling it's very fitting that you're being an absolute hater <laughs> on the podcast while talking about Josh Hader's failures as of late. I mean I'm personally not worried about it long term. Right now, I'm not happy. I'm not I'm straight up not having a good time right now. It is not great. Um well so in, in
2: 2019. 2019 was a, a very, very painful year for the both of us and our you know our, our closers because that was the year of the the super bounce rabbit ball yes and that was the year that both josh Hader and edwin diaz decided to just give up a dong like every other game they literally the two of them put up some of the worst home run per nine rates like in the history of modern relievers Uh, yes this this year though this year just it get it out get it all out I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm you know, just, just implying I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I hope you step on a Lego. You know, I was actually thinking of getting a Lego set. My first Lego set as, as an adult, really my first Lego set in probably like 25 years. I was thinking of getting like the Vincent van Gogh Lego set of a starry night. It oh, looks actually, so cool.
1: I, I have a friend that has that one and has, has it completed and has it up as like a nice little piece to look at in their house. It's very, it is yeah. very it is very cool. I so do like get that. Lego a lot.
2: Because, because I am incredibly uncultured, but every now and then I like to
1: pretend that I have some culture. But you're about as cultured as yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> and as white as it, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, painfully true. That's funny, though, because actually yogurt's pretty cultured, to be fair. It's the whole point. It's the whole point of yogurt, is to be cultured um anyways <laughs> this is a fantasy baseball podcast uh enough about yogurt uh quick before we jump into our deep dives for this week we got a couple to go into uh let's just do the usual at the top of the show let's do the social so we got our shared podcast account on twitter that's gonna be at in the deep pl on there and then you can get us both individually on twitter as well you can find shwebzy at shwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i and then myself at bunt singles uh and of course, as always, we do have a mailbag that you can submit questions to. You can either just tweet at us if you want to, or it is in our pinned tweet on our shared podcast account. Again, that is at in the deep pl on Twitter. Uh, Schwebzy, would you like to kick off this week's episode by talking about uh, someone you've actually covered before here on this podcast, I believe?
2: Yes, covered in brief, and today we're going to give him the deep dive treatment. In brief, previously, now in deep. Ha. So yeah, this has kind of been a long time coming because I've, I've literally, I have been talking about Jose Miranda since the beginning of March. It's true. You have, we've only been doing 2022 content since the beginning of March. So, uh, I generally, the, the blurb goes as such, Jose Miranda is a good hitter. Y'all add him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're going to do do a little bit more than that today. Uh, This is also actually kind of like celebratory. This is a celebratory blurb because when Alex Kirilov came off the injured list, I thought that Miranda was going to be the odd man out, and I was right to an extent because he sat for six out of ten games right after Kirilov came off the IL, but uh, thankfully for Miranda's fantasy stock, uh, the Twins in general just can't stay healthy because Trev- trevor larnock hit the il shortly after that opening up an opportunity for miranda to actually stick in the lineup and get mostly regular plate appearances Mm -hmm. hey what happened when uh jose miranda actually hit against josh Hader recently
1: podcast is canceled (laughs) we're done he had a three-run he had a three-run home run run. run, folks bye Three, uh, he had a three-run
2: home run amazing. off of off of Milwaukee Brewers microphone. closer Josh Hader. Uh, so Miranda's gotten some new opportunity, and he's responded to that opportunity by absolutely wrecking the baseball. He it was uh, June 28th when he started playing regularly, and in the 14 games since then, he's been good for a 189 WRC plus meaning he's 89% better than the average player in that time frame, which is, yeah, pretty good. And uh, he's been putting up a slash line of 340, 377, 640 in that time frame with four dingers and 16 RBI in just 14 games. He's He's just been absolutely on fire. It's a little discouraging that he's only walked twice in those 14 games, but it's very encouraging that he's only struck out five times in these 53 plate appearances, which is good for a 9.4 percent strikeout rate. And just for reference, that 9.4 percent rate in these two weeks—you know—if it, it obviously doesn't work this way, but if it if it held up over an entire season, that's Jose Ramirez territory or Alejandro Kirk territory. You know, players notable for putting the bat on the ball, and. Uh, I'm legally obligated as a fantasy analyst to t- uh, talking about Jose Miranda to mention how bonkers his 2021 minor league numbers were. He hit 344 with 30 home runs last year across double and triple A, while only striking out 12.5 percent of the time. He was like just absolutely incredible. So, as always, the important time frame here is not what he's done in the past. We care about what he's going to do in the future. What can we expect going forward? I feel very confident in saying that we are not going to see the numbers approaching that minor league decimation. Uh, My gut says that Miranda is much closer to a 275-25 home run bat than anything approaching that 340-30 plus home run ridiculousness. I mean, and that's not a hot take. It's not a hot take to say, yeah, his major league numbers won't be as good as his minor league numbers. That's like, you know, duh. But what we've seen in his profile in his brief time in the majors makes me think that his offensive upside is a little bit more limited than his minor league numbers would have led me to believe. He doesn't appear to have top end exit velo. And he does like he doesn't really clear like the one oh five mark very often. And you you can hit home runs at one oh five, but for like a big bopper, like a 40 home run guy, usually you see them with like max exit velos of like you know, 110 plus like 115. Mm -hmm. But what Miranda does well is concentrate on pulling the ball. And he, he pulls the ball a lot, a good amount. All but one of his home runs has been to, to his pull side. And the only one that wasn't like directly to left field, he's a righty was like left center. I, uh, I came into this episode expecting to find top end power because some of the dingers I've seen him hit just looked like absolute bombs, mm-hmm. but now that I'm like looking at each one individually, it's more that he's pulling them than you know murdering them. Because like if you hit a ball 400 feet to center field, it's a flyout. If you hit a ball 400 feet to your pull side, it's a second deck tank. So to me, this says that he's maxing out his skill set and. I, 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 once this comp popped into my head, I couldn't shake it. He kind of resembles more of an Alex Bregman without the walks than like a slugger to all fields like Pete Alonso. Yeah. It actually, w- once I, once Alex Bregman got into my head, I actually looked and compared the two and it's like the numbers are actually like pretty similar.
0: Hmm.
2: Like <laughs> it actually made me kind of wish that the uh, Astros had. Jose Miranda, because I would love to see what Miranda could do with that Crawford box.
1: And just to be clear, we're talking about uh, Alex Bregman, your twin, correct? Yes, yes, my my evil twin, the Alex person, Bregman. The person looks. Like, I would I would argue that you are Alex Bregman's evil twin.
2: That's true. I do have more. I, I do generally do facial hair more than Alex Bregman, and that is
1: the sign of an evil twin. Can you for for next week's episode or whenever we start streaming again? Can you do? Can you grow out a mustache? mustache or goatee it's gotta be a, mm.
2: i think a goatee is more evil facial hair than a mustache
1: i would like to
2: see mm, just yeah just or, I, no just grow it a van dyke what about the strider the spencer strider just the mustache and like the little soul patch
1: a little, a little soul, i mean it, it fits what you can actually grow for facial hair so yeah i'm gonna go with that that, that is that is true not, not a lot of options here <laughs> yes but, anyways, but uh, i apologize
2: <laughs> I, I i like the skills here I, I think Miranda is on balance a a significantly above average major league bat, like probably like a 115, 120 WRC plus bat. Okay. And, but you know, that, that is only going to be valuable for fantasy if he's given plate appearances. And that winds up being our number one concern here by like a lot. The twins are a pretty crowded team and we expect them to be buyers at the trade deadline. I'm expecting them to be more, uh, involved in the pitching market than the the hitter market but who knows like the, some of the moves they made in the off season were like downright confusing like trading away their catcher simply to acquire another catcher and you know they got they got orella when they already had a crowded infield they're they're kind of all over the place but so like even at even if they don't make an acquisition he's competing with like half a dozen dudes of varying skill levels and skill sets for playing time so mm-hmm. honestly it's a it's a bit of a crapshoot how this playing time battle shakes out. Dep- you know, Depending on who gets hot at what time, like anyone could wind up running away and, and playing every day. What that leaves me thinking is that Miranda is a great ad for now. As long as guys are hurt and he's getting playing time, this is a great above average corner infield bet that can even be 12-team third base relevant on his hot streaks, as we've seen for these past couple of weeks. I'm a little bit more underwhelmed than I expected based on the raw power, but if he pulls the ball in the air frequently enough, he's still going to hit more than enough home runs to matter.
1: Yeah, all about optimizing that pull side power and optimizing that launch angle and working with what you got in terms of uh, exit velos, obviously. And Like you said, he seems to be taking as best advantage of it as he can, Uh, and that's really, really encouraging. The fact that he knows what his skill set is and can take advantage of it like that is cool, especially for such a young player.
2: A particularly interesting thing about him is that, you know, you, you would think that a player's production would increase as their average exit velo increased, but it's been the complete opposite for Jose Miranda. Like, his... All, all of his metrics have increased as his average exit velocity has gone down. Interesting. Is, yeah, very interesting. Weird. Well,
1: uh, regardless, I do like the Miranda call out. And I think it's actually very funny because I think we accidentally kind of picked two guys that are in a similar spot for our first deep dives here. Uh, because you picked a corner infielder who is seeing some more opportunity due to injuries, and I also have the exact same thing here in uh, my pick, which is Nolan Jones for my first Steve Dive. So I'm going to dive into him here real quick. So uh, for those that don't know, Nolan Jones is a minor leaguer in the Guardians system. Uh, He was just called up on July 8th by the Guardians, and he had a blistering start in his first four games. He went 7 for 16 with two doubles and a home run. Uh, He's cooled off a bit since then, which is that'll happen obviously, but I think he's still worth consideration as a contributor in deep leagues for the second half of the season, but it's going to take a little bit of luck to make sure that he gets that playing time. And also we have to look at this with a little bit of nuance. So in terms of playing time, since he was called up, uh, Nolan Jones has started every single game. And aside from, Oh, I shouldn't say every single game. It was one half of a doubleheader He didn't start. So he played every single day, I should say, uh, since he was called up. Um, his call-up sort of coincided with Oscar Gonzalez's trip to the IL. Uh, Gonzalez was put on the IL, retro dated to, I believe, June 30th with an intercostal strain. So for those of you that also had to Google it like me, your intercostal is in your abdominals because I didn't know what an intercostal was. Um, based on my very quick Google search, when it comes to intercostal strains, the recovery time on those is around four to five weeks and it can vary be a little bit more, a little bit less depending on what the severity of the strain is. I wasn't really able to find any information on how bad that strain actually was, uh, for Oscar Gonzalez. So it's kind of up in the air when he will be back, but it hasn't really, he hasn't been put on a rehab assignment or anything like that, or like cleared to like continue doing baseball related activities yet. So I assume it's going to be a bit, um, before he hit the IL, Gonzalez had a 111 WRC+, plus, uh, and obviously his timeline to when he does return is going to play a huge role in what Nolan Jones's role looks like for the rest of the season. So for that reason, I think the bar is set very high in terms of what Nolan Jones needs to do to garner regular playing time after Gonzalez returns. So let's dig into what the like very, very minimal so far, because he's only been in the majors for, I think, like eight or nine games underlying data tells us about him so in the very short stint so far he's put up a max exit velo already of 110 miles per hour and that's only on 13 total batted balls so i mean the power is definitely there he's been graded uh in a lot of prospect reports as having like 60 game power and 70 raw power by various outlets uh i anticipate that we haven't seen the ceiling from him from an exit velo perspective uh that said he did hit his first home run, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. It was an absolute moonshot. It was 457 feet out of Kauffman Stadium, just an absolute tank, which was, I mean, who threw that pitch? Was it uh, Jackson Kowar? Yes, it was. What was the joke that you made? I'm going to give you another chance to be funny online. Uh, more like Jackson Noar, because he's not going to accumulate
2: any positive value throwing fastballs down the middle like that. Oof, baby gotta love
1: that baseball humor that
2: baseball dad humor uh so speaking of uh speaking of bad jokes the the intercostal strain the intercostal is the area in between two beaches right
1: oh my god so we're recording this at what time is it? it's uh currently, <laughs> i'm <yeah>. so tired <laughs> yeah, we, we are both exhausted it is 2 32 in the morning where i am it's 3 30 in the morning where schwibzy is we probably should have been doing this much earlier uh but once again we got distracted thanks Yancey, because we had to give him a shout out obviously hi yance um it took me like a good second and a half to realize the joke that you had made just now (laughs) so 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 long it was so bad anyways um so aside from the very clear power upside here with nolan jones which i think is definitely there The other really big tool for him by fantasy standards is his plate discipline. So every single prospect report that I read uh, about Jones in the past and doing research for this episode is that he's got a really discerning eye at the plate, and that leads to more swings at favorable pitches and a ton of walks. So you can expect a walk rate like he has had in the minors for the past few years in the double digits once he settles in and establishes himself. Um, Unfortunately, he can be a bit too patient and waiting for the pitch to hit. So his K rate is a bit high, too. It's probably going to linger in the neighborhood of around 30%, most likely. So there will be a high K percentage there that you might have to deal with, which a bit concerning. Um The other thing is that he might be relegated to being a platoon bat because the lefty-on-lefty lefty splits so far in his career have been very, very, very bad, Um, like sub-200 batting average type stuff. So he's likely to sit against left-handed pitchers. But that said, as a strong side platoon bat, I am happy to nab him in any OBP leagues, especially where I'm looking for help at the hot corner. And the nice thing too is that because they already have an established third baseman, someone by the name, I think is, oh, let me, let me check. Um, Jose Ramirez. Heard of him? Pretty good. He's good? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's all right. He's all um, right. He's very clearly not going to be playing at third base. So they've been shoving him into corner outfield spots. So soon enough in most leagues, he already has eligibility at, uh, in right fielder in the outfield on Yahoo. I'm assuming that eligibility is going to hit on other platforms soon enough as long as he continues to get playing time. So that's also the upside here, too, is you not only have a corner infielder, you have an outfielder that you can slot in as well. So that positional versatility, also some upside here for Nolan Jones. So I really like the power upside.
2: You know, I was, I was thinking, like, he has a shot at getting corner outfield playing time because Franville Reyes has been absolutely abysmal lately, uh, yes. or DH playing time, I guess, and I, I had it in my head that uh, Soto, not, I, I'm calling him Soto, uh, Stephen Kwan, we call, we call him Kwan Soto around the Pitcherless Discord, yes. and that's why I said Soto. But Stephen Kwan actually has like a 370 OBP since the start of June. He's actually been way better than I realized oh, he, yeah, he's West, great. six weeks or
1: so. That's the thing with Kwan yeah, is he, he just literally never strikes out.
2: Yeah, he hit a, he hit a major slump. I, I had not realized that he has fully come out of that slump. Yes.
1: but Yeah, he's been hitting a leadoff forever now, it feels like. Yeah. At least for the past like three or four weeks. Um, yeah, he's been fantastic out of the top spot in that lineup.
2: Yeah, so I, I, yeah, the playing time concern is uh, definitely warranted. Then,
1: yeah, that's I think that's like kind of disclaimer here is like he might be a good option for like a couple of weeks after the All Star break because obviously that is next week. Um, that said, I think there is a world in which he hits well enough to at least lock down a decent amount of playing time against righties, and again, like that strong side platoon, like without how, and I know this is like very much not going to happen most likely uh with how bad fran milray's has been i wouldn't be surprised if he steals a tiny bit of playing time from him maybe not all of it but yeah i don't know there there's there's very clearly i think paths here for him to find the playing time it's just a matter of how well he can perform over this basically like two week uh audition
2: fun little quirk of the schedule the guardians have actually played righties in their last 13 straight games. They have. Yes. And 17 out of 20, which is wild. I wonder if that's just a, uh, quirk of the AL central. There might just not be a lot of lefty starters in there.
1: I'm trying to think who they have. Um, are there any for the white Sox? or any of the starters lefties? Uh, I don't think so. Not since I know they just had a Dallas, series. Against Dallas Keuchel
2: got Sox. put out. Keuchel got put out to pasture. Yeah, that's true. um, <sighs> Yeah, I, I I really think they are. <laughs> Wait, is he what team is he on now? Diamondbacks. Oh my god! For half a second, I thought he was an angel, and I was about to
1: just—he <laughs> was literally sent to a farm upstate. Yeah.
2: Um, no, he, he no he is no he is playing for the Diamondbacks. Um, sent out in, into the literal desert. Oh my god. He was he was banished.
1: Gosh. He. Ugh. But yeah, it I, this I caused mean, caused me so much pain. Sorry. No, I, I Dallas Keckle <laughs> is just. Well, I shouldn't say me. He's uh, vicariously through my friends who are White Sox fans caused me so much pain. Mm-hmm. But, anyways, um, yeah, I, I I do wonder.
2: Uh, it's but before that, they did have a stretch of plenty of lefties, so maybe it's not a maybe it's not a divisional
1: thing. But yeah, yeah, all right, uh, cool. I think that's all I have on Nolan Jones. Uh, again, I think he's worth a pickup in 15 team leagues, five outfielders, because he's going to get that outfield eligibility. And then obviously if you want like a corner infielder spot that you want filled in the meantime, I think he's a fine option. And the power upside's absolutely there. He can hit tanks. Um, it's just a matter of him, I think, settling in and getting used to major league pitching, but yeah. Um, all right. We're going to take a quick ad break. And we'll be right back with two more deep dives. Alright, and we are back. So Schwebze, let's get to your second deep dive here. Let's talk about Leodi Taveras. Yeah, it's funny that you
2: were giving friend of the podcast, Yancey Eaton, a shout out because I was going to do so here because uh we were we were talking to Yancey, who is currently the the, the first runner up of TGFBI. Get Rackner. Uh, I uh I shocked both Jordan and Yancey by it. we were talking about Leoti Tavares. Uh, and
1: did, he's still only 23. That blows my mind. It, it, it feels he, like he should... I swear I thought he was almost 30. It feels
2: like Leoti Tavares has been around forever. But, I mean, that, that just happens when a player debuts at 20 and then disappoints and gets jerked around year after year. Yep. And it's just one of those side effects of prospect fatigue. We kind, of, uh, we kind of forget about these guys, even though they might still be loaded with potential. So on Thursday, when we started putting this episode together, I, u- I, was, I always start by looking at Fantasy Pro's player rater for the past 15 days, which is a really easy way to fi- find like, the outliers and the strong performances of the last couple of weeks. And Leoti Tavares ranked sixth among players for the entire two-week span sixth single digits one number the one between five and seven and that's <laughs> yes that is every single hitter and not just the ones that play for the texas rangers i am so sorry to hammer this point in so hard but i barely believe i barely believe it myself Leodi taveras sixth best hitter in all of baseball for two whole weeks the stat line is just silly from the 27th of june until yesterday he hit 400 with a 404 obp which is funny and a 644 slugging percentage which actually to me is the more impressive and and uh more hopeful bit in in 13 games that he started in that stretch he had seven extra base hits including two home runs three stolen bases and 22 runs plus rbi like, legitimate five-category monster production. Like, if you got that out of your first rounder, you'd be like, yep, that's why I drafted him. So, right. Like, way back when, way back when, a whole three years ago when he was a prospect.
1: Back when he was just a wee lad.
2: Uh, he was tagged with a 50-hit tool, 50 raw power, and 70 speed. And those are the kind of tools that if everything breaks right, that can be a fantasy superstar. That's like Trey Turner's tools with like less hit tool. So is that where we are? Like, is, is he turning those wild tools into fantasy goodness? Yeah, yeah, kind of not really, but kind of. Yeah. So he's definitely doing some things differently now than he has in the past. I wouldn't necessarily call all of these things encouraging developments. So Tavares is a free swinger. Always has been. So it's really, really surprising to me that his scorching hot streak has actually been the result of him being even more aggressive. He's swinging at 50.7% of the pitches he sees, which is well above league average. And yet somehow, he's well below league average at swinging at meatballs, which is a really odd mix. This may be bad analysis, but I always like to use that meatball number as a really, really quick and dirty measure... Of how well a player is identifying hittable pitches, because in theory the meatballs are the best pitches to hit, and if you're not even swinging at them, it really it it seems like you're not making good swing decisions. The good news is that he's making contact way more than he has in his previous cups of coffee. He's gone from well below average at in zone contact to being above average, which is no small development. And we are seeing a dramatic decrease in strikeout percentage as a result, which is awesome for his possible production. I think on balance, these are good things, like overall. But there are some huge, huge warning signs here. He is running a sky-high mind drive percentage, a sky-high BABIP, and his WOBA is so far above his ex-WOBA that it's hilarious. Any one of these things alone, I could write off as, you know, just noise, but all three together kind of screams that he's been hilariously lucky. He's obviously not going to continue hitting 351. But can he hit 260? I think so. Hitting 260 would be enough. That would make him a valuable player. With his combination of elite speed and enough power to matter, this could be a Jorge Mateo esque situation without the absurd batting average downside that Mateo represents. There shouldn't be any threat to Tavares's playing time. The uh, former center fielder of the Texas Rangers was Eli White, who was recently transferred to the 60-day IL. So I, I, Tavares's path to playing time is pretty clear. I actually really like him as a pickup right now, probably more for Roto than head-to-head, and definitely not an OBP. Just, you know, Mm -hmm. don't be overly concerned when he never sniffs the production of the past couple of weeks again. I can dig it.
1: Uh, Recommending a pickup, but tempering expectations on what he's actually going to be is, like, I think our sweet spot. (laughs) That's pretty much what our podcast is in a nutshell.
2: So so frequently when we pick guys out, it's because they've been so good lately and, you know, stood out to us. So, you know, most of the time... Uh, unless we're catching something ahead of time like i don't like what jumps to mind is like jonathan india last year when he started hitting lead off every day yep. sometimes we'll be uh, ahead of a trend like that but uh often we're we're reacting we mm-hmm. we try to do a little bit of prediction and reacting but uh, the the fact is it's
1: easier to react for me it was aaron ashby obviously uh, and then I guess another one that kind of like fits in the Jonathan India realm. I'm also I'm just gonna give even more credit to Yancey here. I'm gonna I'm not even gonna save it for uh, our honorable mention section. Is uh, Vimayal Machine, who recently has been hitting lead off after getting called up from AAA uh, for the for the A's. But stuff like that, like being able to find those trends too. Uh, I think that's like kind of the exception. But yes, we very often lean towards the guys who are like performing super well and then we're like hmm is this legit or is it not and that's what inspires all the deep dives but yeah i i hate how often
2: the answer is like he's been great he'll be less great but he'll still be okay that you're right that is like the result of so many of these it really is but that's all that's also just the nature of baseball when someone's coming off of a hot streak there's usually a reason for it and they will, they'll continue to do some of those things, but not all of those things.
1: Yep. There will be ebbs and flows regardless. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then obviously like when it comes right down to it, it's not just that, but you also have to stay healthy, which is the person that I'm going to talk about next. This is going to be a really boring deep dive and I'm sorry in advance. Um, and it's only kind of like a sort of deep dive, uh it feels like the embodiment of like who is that football coach? Um Dennis Green from the Cardinals yelling they are who we thought they were after they lost to the Bears. Oh, I thought I thought you were gonna say Jeff Fisher and his perpetual like mediocrity. <laughs> that too, I guess. Uh that also would fit this podcast in certain senses. <laughs> but... <laughs> What's good, y'all, and welcome to perpetual mediocrity. <laughs> I'm Jordan White, your host. Uh <laughs> This is my French Pepsi. We're both mid, anyways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, instead of talking about the Chicago Bears, I'm gonna be talking about Aaron Hicks. Uh, wait, Baron Baron Hicks? Is that anything? No. Okay. Anyways, um. <laughs> we, we're at the we're at the time of night where we are oh actively workshopping jokes mid a, recording. This is also an improv class, just so y'all know. That's what this is. Uh, anyways, peas it, and carrots. Peas and carrots. Oh no. <laughs> it's fall. It's we're, we're off the rails. All right. Uh, Hicksa has been on a little bit of a heater as of late. Uh, and all it's taken is basically just for him to stay. I Schwabsy's making the most disgusted face imaginable <laughs> because I'm talking even, just like remotely kindly about a New York Yankee. <laughs> yeah. He's been dry heaving the entire night as I've been writing notes. Cause he's accidentally looked at them anyways. Uh, but yeah, aside from, staying healthy which which was very funny i didn't realize (laughs) that he had actually missed three games recently because he had fall the ball off his shin as i was writing these notes i discovered that i was like oh yeah it's been great he's been healthy for like the whole season fantastic and then i realized oh yeah he literally just hurt himself he's fine now he played today which is good um uh while he has been less of a power threat than he has in the past obviously like there was like i think 2018 or 2019 he had a really big power year not really necessarily in his profile, and it's only getting worse as his exit velos decay as he ages. Um Aaron Hicks is a really, really, really good target for OBP leagues because he continues to put up exceptional walk rates and create value for himself in those types of leagues by doing so. Um he's got like a 15% walk rate this year almost. It's he's been like that for the past four, five, six seasons, something like that. Um Also, the nice thing about walking as much as someone like Aaron Hicks is that he gets on base, which means that a smart base runner, something that he also is, gets lots of opportunities to steal bases. Uh, And he's been doing that this year. He's not a a burner like he once was. He was never like crazy, crazy fast, but he was like pretty, pretty fast. Um, He's currently putting up the best pace for stolen bases in a season that he ever has in his career at age 32 which is pretty crazy during our last recording or
2: like our our prep session he stole two bases in a game like as we were preparing right and Jordan Jordan was just laughing at me as he saw my disgusted reaction to every new Yankee notification that night because I think that was the day that the Yankees scored like a bunch of runs against some hapless team
1: yes this is like I quite literally saw this man punch air for like 15 minutes straight (laughs) incredibly funny um this is why we need to stream again so we can see you just swinging your fists around. Constantly angry. Just punch dancing like you're in a mosh pit over the, <laughs> over the, over the Yankees. Um, but, okay, anyways, honestly, it's just like, wow, it's surprising. Staying healthy and getting playing time works wonders when you actually want to get production out of someone, which is fantastic. So going through his profile... I was trying to find literally anything that Hicks had really changed. He's so incredibly boring and so much the same player that he has been over the past (laughs) few seasons. It's literally that he is just staying healthy. That is really most of it. I feel like most of my analysis here could be replaced by me doing my best Brad Pitt doing Billy Bean and saying he gets on base over and over and over and over again. Uh, That said he's getting regular playing time when he's not fouling balls off his shin. <laughs> and he seems to be making the most of those opportunities on the base pads. So I think that when he's healthy, like he's a really good bet for a 15-team OBP league if you need a little bit of stolen base help for the rest of the season here.
2: Yeah, I, I absolutely buy that. The thing about Hicks is his first couple of months of the season were so abysmally bad. They were. That it kind of overshadowed like it, it just put the, it, it made the perception so negative that it's been really easy to miss that. The dude has a 155 WRC plus since the start of June. Yeah. He's been great. He's, he's been unreal. He's, he's got, he's hitting 279 with what 20 runs, 19 RBI. It's, it's five category production. Like this is a five category monster if he were to, you know, replicate this over a season.
1: Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic as of late. And that lineup, man. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, it's between Yankees, but probably like the Yankees, the Astros, and like who else would be like number three in terms of like Toronto? Would you say is yeah. like the next best I lineup? Mean, like those three are probably like the best ones. Maybe.
2: I mean, from a runs per game basis, it's like I think it's like the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Mets. Oh, yeah, the Do- Do- Dodgers.
1: Let's not talk about the other New York team. We're talking about the better New York team right now.
2: uh actually it's the Yankees Dodgers Giants and Mets I am so surprised to find the Giants third in the league in runs scored that's wild it's
1: because their pitching has been much less stellar this year than it has or than than it was last year I should say yeah and the
2: the, Braves are up there too but yeah yeah
1: oh shout out uh shout out 11 shout out shout out Sperry our Braves boys but uh wait what don't give them that don't give them this. Don't give them the satisfaction. Oh, hi, Chris. You too. Uh, anyways. Um, all right. I think that's all we have for deep dives this week. Let's do some honorable mentions and get on out of here after that. Uh, Shrubs, you want to kick it off? Yes. Uh, so I, I am
2: absolutely going to say this wrong because I didn't do my due diligence and uh, look up the pronunciation beforehand. But Asturias Ruiz of the San Diego Padres, he was a bit of a blind spot for me, honestly. And I should know more about him, but I never really expected him to get a significant amount of playing time this year in the majors, so I just didn't look into him too much. Ruiz, like, is the silly upside pick of the week. Ruiz put up absolute video game numbers in the minors this year. He stole 60 bases in 77 games. 6-0. very good. If he did that in the majors and literally nothing else, he'd be a wildly valuable asset. And on top of those stolen bases, he also walked a ton. He hit the heck out of the ball. Honestly, this is what it looks like when you do like MLB the show, road to the show, and like do your Trey Turner archetype. This is what your stats look like. It's ridiculous.
1: That's all I got. Oh, sorry. I got distracted <laughs> because I was looking at his stat lines from the minors this year. So he, but it, was, it is distracting. It's it, so it, good. It was, it was between double A AA and triple A that he, st- he stole 37 in double A in 49 games. And then in 28 games, he stole 23 bases in AAA. A. So he's played three games so far in the majors. He already has a steal. Uh, I anticipate that that will probably be a trend that continues as long as he actually gets to take his turn on the base paths. So, so the
2: this, usually I'm more on the ball and this kind of thing doesn't happen to me. But in my NL only league, Ruiz went for like some silly amount of fab dollars and I'm just sitting there like, huh? Him? Yeah. And then I looked at his, and then I looked, I'm like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. I do worry about some regression, I guess, to a certain extent. I mean, to be fair, it's over a pretty decent sample between what is that? I can't math in my head right now. That is 60, 70, seven games in the minors this year. Uh I mean his walk rates in double A AA and triple A were right around 14%. He had never put a walk rate above eight percent together before this year. So that's interesting to me. That that shows a that's pretty a clear huge. and marked improvement in uh yeah. in recognition of the strike zone and just like patience at the plate and ability to like just work good counts. Um so that's that's really, really great. Um that combined yeah, this by far it's just like the high upside pick of the week but yeah if you're walking at like a 14 and say say he regresses now that he's in the majors and he, he only walks like 10 11 of the time he's still going to be stealing probably by the end of the year if he plays like a lot of the projection system have him at like 25 to 30 games he's going to steal like another 10 bases
2: yeah we say all the time that stolen bases are so much about intent yep and I have never seen
1: a more intenty intent than this. <laughs> this intent do be intenting. It'd be intenting real hard. Uh all right, let's move on to our next uh honorable mention. So you have Alebnas Diaz here.
2: Yeah, I this is one of those uh I, I guess now classic in the deep guys. Playing time has opened up. He is playing every day. He is a trusted veteran hitter in a good lineup with uh, the Houston Astros, if you're not aware. Uh Honestly, I think Oled Miss Diaz is going to be worth starting in deep leagues until Jordan Alvarez is healthy again.
1: Love it. All right. Uh, Jose Iglesias, someone that I wrote up here quick. Uh, surprisingly under rostered considering how well he's been performing as of late. And he got bumped up in this most recent series to second in the batting order. Uh, so, I mean, better lineup spot equals more plate appearances and more opportunities for runs in RBI. So he had like a six RBI game, which kind of inflated his, like, rec- like his his past two week quote-unquote stats um but again that better lineup spot is uh kind of juicy so i'm kind of interested in jose iglesias to a certain extent
2: yeah i i talked about iglesias i'm pretty sure as far back as our middle infielder preview because he is a BABIP dependent player in course for colorado yep. yeah
1: yeah that'll play so i i
2: i figured there was always going to be a stretch like this at some point but
1: mm-hmm. you know who, who can predict when exactly yeah so i mean yeah iglesias is a very solid option obviously it feels so weird talking about players that we're going to be able to like pick up this weekend and then we're not even going to get to see them play until next week thursday i just realized yeah. that
2: remember remember when jose iglesias hit 373 two years ago
1: wait what
2: in the shortened season, the COVID oh, season. Oh duh. Had, oh my god. He had a four he had a four oh seven Babbit, but he hit three seventy-three.
1: It's disgusting. It was absolutely yep. gross. Oh god. All right. Uh someone else uh in the NL West that I want to talk about too here, uh, Austin Slater. So he's not playing every day. Um but as of late, when he does play, he's either leaving off or hitting third. For the Giants, which is very odd. I don't think that was ever the... Like, leadoff, yes. I don't think I ever remember him hitting third. So that's an interesting development. Um, He's a daily league target for sure, I think, as a guy who can chip in both power and speed. He just went four for five tonight against the Brewers, and he stole a base. Uh, so I had to watch him just tear apart my team. Uh, But that kind of a power speed combo is tough to find on the wire. And I think he is someone that that as long as he is getting those opportunities to hit at the top of that order is going to be able to get both. So I dig that one a lot.
2: Yeah. This is kind of a PSA in general for all you players out there, all you managers out there. The giants are gianting extra hard lately. They are. They, they have a lot of their players healthy again, really the only uh, significant, the only significant guys who are hurt right now are like uh, Longoria and Listella. Longoria again. uh, Yeah. Evan Longoria and the IL, name a better duo. But they are mixing and matching very much right now. Lots of pinch hitters, lots of uh, platoon guys. So if you were relying on any Giants hitters every day, then, uh, you know, it might be want to pay some attention and make sure you get them out of their lineups on the days that they're not starting so quick quick real quick trivia for you jordan yes can you name the one giant player who has played more than five
1: uh four games in a row well first off all the players in the mlb to my knowledge are normal sized players they're not giant players tell that to aaron judge oh damn you got me no, but can you repeat the question? I, I wasn't listening because I was too busy thinking about the joke I was going to say.
2: <laughs> can you name the one <laughs> San Francisco Giants player who has started more than four games in a row? More than four.
1: Is it Lamont White Jr.? Nope, he, he's at three.
2: Mm, hmm. There's a lot of guys at three, one guy at four. I would say... Hmm. is it give you
1: one more guess is okay is it sorry this is this is excellent content right now me just sitting here thinking i'm gonna say that it was tyro estrada i love that you want
2: to be right so badly that you are willing to make bad content for it it is david vr (laughs) Oh damn! Since he got
1: called up recently, he made
2: four starts. Dude, he has cards. played every single day since he got called up, which is wild. Remember when I was going to talk
1: about him last week, and you were like, mm-hmm.
2: "Yeah, but thankfully this isn't a uh, Adelis Garcia situation because he's not very good."
1: Well, I mean, there's still time. Yeah, He's striking out 37 percent of the time. There's still time for you to make me look like a clown. There's always time for that. So there's like always a clown. time for that. <laughs> Puts on. You, you can't see it because this is a this is a an audio medium, but I'm currently putting white makeup on my face. <laughs> Anyways, uh, <laughs> staying on the West coast, uh, sort of adjacent to the NL West, but moving to the AOS, uh, Luis Renjifo. Been really decent lately. And also tonight, just cause I want to bring it up for Shwebzy. Cause then I think it'll make him happy. He broke up Kershaw's no hitter and that's massive hater energy, which I think is kind of what Shwebzy digs love it i love, love it so much and also this is also penance for me
2: writing off Renhifo when he was originally brought up to me by Pitcher list valued
1: community members true uh all right uh i want to talk about Derek hall very very briefly so the past week of performance from Derek hall has not inspired a lot of confidence it's been pretty rough that said betting cleanup every single day and that's still a, even sans Bryce Harper, that's still a pretty strong lineup, so I'd feel fine about running him out there in certain leagues. Uh, I believe he's first base and DH eligible? If I'm not mistaken? I believe so. Um, he's he's done nothing but DH for the Phillies. Yes, correct. So, I mean, there's probably better options at first base, but that said, like that's a very, very nice lineup spot, and that's very regular playing time. So if you need a stopgap filler at first base or a corner infield spot, Again, fifteen teamers. I think that Derek Hall is a fine option.
2: Yeah, and for for those of you who overmanage like I do, the Phillies are kind of like the anti Giants. Like they just run out that same lineup pretty much every day. So Derek Hall is in there un, you know, until
1: they show otherwise. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh let's see here. Uh Jorge Mateo, Schwepsey. Do you want to talk about Mateo at all? Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to read what <laughs> what I wrote for a note? <laughs> Because I didn't actually write a so note. It was just like, if you want stolen bases, this is. I mean, he continues to do the thing.
2: Jorge Mateo, man, the man hits two hundred, hits an occasional home run, steals a ton of bases. So many that bases. Is, that's, that is that is all he does.
1: He will not do anything else. Don't expect anything else, and you will not be disappointed. Never disappointed. I mean, he. I mean he he for a while kept you in first place in tgfbi and stolen bases but you've now been passed uh, by one Yancey eaton i know
2: i'm in sixth now thanks harrison bader and your plantar fasciitis dang it all
1: right uh let's see here we i just realized we have a slew of kansas city royals on here i wonder why i wonder
2: why we weird, hmm. weird
1: weird that a lot of weird that a lot of guys there are getting some playing time out of nowhere yeah it's kind of odd anyways uh emmanuel rivera had an 11 game hitting streak just come to an end tonight on the night that we're recording this. Uh the batting average was good this month at 378 so far. The rest of the year he hit 199. I'm fi- I'm fading this. I don't know. Like it looks good on the face like he's been good lately, but I don't expect this to last. Um, yeah, the playing time is legit though. It is. Yes, the playing time is very good. That is that is not to be uh disputed, but uh I just makes me a little bit nervous uh looking at his other performances this year it's just been kind of rough um yeah well i mean staying in kansas city
2: yes uh edward olivares i love edward olivares as a preemptive trade deadline pickup for your fantasy teams because we all expect andrew benintendi to be traded Yes, like right. even in, in spite of his uh, inability to travel to Toronto, I'm pretty sure that he's going to wind up in different team colors, you know, within the next couple of weeks. So uh, Edward Olivares, I think, is the most obvious beneficiary of that playing time that will be vacated, and then Hunter Dozier, uh, I, I have to use this word at least once per epi- episode, contractually. Uh, contractually obligated cromulence thy name is hunter dozier he is just the picture of steady veteran plate appearances and middling production he's like if a led miss diaz got to play all the time for a worse lineup uh it's a bummer that he did not get vaccinated and go to toronto and let down his teammates and and fans and blah blah, blah 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 but uh he's a quality bat that you can stick into a corner infield spot and just you know he's
1: he's a set and forget kind of a quality bat Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, once they're back in Kansas City, he'll be obviously right back in the lineup there. Um, but let's see here. Who else do we, do we have any more Royals? Let's just try to do them all, all in one go. Oh, Nick Prado. Uh, Prado. Yeah. Yeah. He came up,
2: he came up for the series. Uh, he came up for that Toronto series. Hasn't really done anything to stand out yet. It's very possible that as soon as they're back in the U S he gets sent back down to the minors. Keep an eye on that. If it turns out that he gets some extended run, he will be worth an ad probably.
1: Yes, absolutely. All right, uh, let's see here. Ramona Um, since coming back from the IL, looking pretty good.
2: Yeah, we, I, he's a longtime In The Deep fan. Or we, we, we add
1: In The Deep, our longtime big, big fan. His. Big fan, one of our biggest mailbag contributors. He doesn't even ask questions. He just says hi. Super nice. Anyways, he, uh, but no, hit what? Three home runs the past three games, including two tonight. Yep, it's kind of uh, kind of on a heater. Kind of like it. Um, and the Orioles also kind of on a heater. Talk about them for a hot second.
2: Yeah, right. Well, Urias was actually on fire before hitting the IL, so he's had some. He's had two really nice hot streaks, bookending that IL trip. Now,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, same kind of deal. Like I think we talked about was that I mentioned all the stuff that uh. Ben Palmer had talked about on his appearance on On Orioles and the article that he had written for, I can't remember the website right now, but I talked about it in an episode about probably four weeks back at this point, I would say, um, all that still stands. Um, all right, And then you get Brian De La Cruz here as well. Yes. If you want
2: a surprise for yourself, nice just if you want to you know just a little surprise just a little treat check out a little treat for yourself check out brian de la cruz's baseball savant page it's going to be better than you expect i wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if either he got traded to another team or if another marlin outfielder got traded and opened up more playing time for de la cruz he's not going to blow you away but he's going to be a quality bat that sprinkles in a little bit of everything he is a a a very light five category contributor.
1: Take it. Okay. Um. Do we want to bring up the Urminator? It's just fun that he's back. It's fun, even even though he he is trying to cause my me me specifically pain right now by playing the Brewers. Um, I do yeah. appreciate your mean.
2: I don't think he's worth an ad yet. No. maybe won't be ever but it's uh you know th- he was magic at one point maybe uh maybe the magic will come back but yeah keep, keep an eye keep an Just eye nice. on it if he ever starts to get more consistent playing time for the giants
1: excellent all right okay we're gonna talk about pitchers real quick pitchers especially well more specifically starting pitchers are hard right now it's really hard to talk about them because the all-star break is right around the corner and we don't know what rotations are going to look like coming out of the all-star break um so we have a few names here that we want to talk about very briefly there's a couple that i mean i'm going to highlight reed detmers again a little in a little bit and then there's also one other pitcher that i think we absolutely have to cover uh but schwab you had a few here that you wanted to kind of cover real quick so i'll let you start things out yeah i mean there's a there's a clump of streamer only kind of
2: guys here like your Brad Kellers your Spencer Watkins I think uh, Spencer Watkins and Jordan Lyles specifically are pitchers you should target when they are starting at home we talked about this before how the Baltimore Orioles are a really nice environment for starting pitcher streaming uh, because of that you know newly erected massive wall in left field Mm -hmm. Uh, Justin Steele and JT Brubaker are I would say a, a, a tier or two higher in like the streamer or, or Toby categories because they have a bit more strikeout upside than Watkins and Miles, yes. and I think there's a there, there's a broader range of teams that you can start them against. And both of them reside in the NL Central, which, uh, if you haven't heard, is slightly friendlier to pitchers than the AL East.
1: True, I can't even I can't even d- deny that as a as a Brewers fan. Um, it's valid. Just that
2: that those those cupcake matchups against the Milwaukee okay. Brewers.
1: Okay, okay, easy. Moving on. Uh, you have Braxton Garrett on here as well. Uh, do you want to cover Braxton Garrett at all? Or
2: uh, his last start was interesting, but I'm not. I'm fading this one. That's that's really all I wanted to say. I'm not buying that long term.
1: Enough. All right. Uh, well, the one that I, the first one that I'm very excited about that I want to talk about here. excuse me uh i just want to give a shout out to our uh pal and max meyer stan joshua jimothy sperry yamada aka mr 3.0 uh and just wish everyone else a happy max meyer day to those who are celebrating and listening on the day that this podcast release uh max meyer for those who don't know pitching prospect for the marlins absolutely nasty and i'm excited to see another product of that pitching development system make their debut he's a smaller guy he's only like i think like five nine five ten but my height um but he has an upper 90s fastball and a 70 grade slider that is absolutely disgusting and he has a changeup as well that kind of can flash plus at times uh i think this is probably since like I don't know. God, there's just been so many really electric prospect pitchers this year that have debuted. That's yeah. really like and and Max Meyer might be up there for me in like my top 3 this year in terms of debuts for different uh prospect pitchers.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 so psyched to see that slider. I'm really really hoping this isn't another another Matt Brash situation. Yeah, but Meyer is a more
1: polished pitcher than Matt Brash, so let, let, let's hope that he displays that. We'll find out. I'm very excited for it. Uh, but yes, uh, Shrubzy, you also wanted to talk about Nick Lodolo.
2: Yeah, I still love Lodolo. I've talked about him here before. Like, th- this group, uh, you know, I mentioned Esturi uh, Rodriguez before as my high upside hitter. Like, this group here, this Max Meyer, Nick Lodolo, Reed Detmers group, these are like the high upside plays for starting pitchers. I, I the the strikeout upside probably goes Meyer then Lodolo, then Detmers, but Meyer might not be long for the majors. We're not sure how long he's going to be up. Uh you would hope that he doesn't get sent back down so quickly with a prospect of his pedigree. But uh yeah, if if uh you need strikeouts and you're looking for uh you know a young pitcher to provide them, I still like Lodolo a lot. It's just a shame that his home ballpark and team stink, limiting his mm. ratio and win potential.
1: Yeah, small downside, but Ladolo is very cool. I do like Ladolo as well. Um, all right. Uh, I said before I'm going to talk about Reed Detmers. Covered him last week, talking about the new slider cutter uh, combo. He looked great against the Astros this week. He nabbed a quality start. He struck out six over six innings. The whip could still use some work. I think he walked three, gave five hits over that six-inning span, which is not bad at all. Um, But that slider-cutter hybrid has retained that increased velocity, and it worked pretty well against what is really an elite offense. So um, we'll see. What happens in his next start, I can't remember who he will get or if he, wait, because he won't get another start before the All-Star break, will he? No. No. So we'll nope. see who he lines up with after the All-Star break, so that'll be interesting to find out. Um, But yeah, super excited about that from Detmerge.
2: All right, so the last thing I'm going to talk about before we call it a morning, it is 4.14. Oh my uh, god. <laughs> uh i'm just gonna really quickly touch on a few bullpen situations that have some barely rostered players involved the pittsburgh pirates david bednar has been iffy lately which is Mm -hmm. uh disappointing for me because i was very high on bednar coming into the year but uh lately yeri de los santos has a few saves de los santos has 17 career innings in the majors and he has three saves not not often you see a rookie pitcher pick up that many saves so uh, early on in his career. De Los Santos doesn't seem too overpowering, but Bednar, as I said, has been pretty rough lately, and he's also a potential trade target in the coming weeks. So this is a solid save spec. I feel like it's got to be uh at this point if Bednar gets traded, it's going to be either De Los Santos or uh, I don't know Chris Stratton, uh, Will Crow. Yeah, those are like the three that I can think of. Uh, but. Considering he's gotten saves recently, De Los Santos has to be viewed as the favorite. And then, over in Texas, Jordan, how do I do a shrug emoji in an audio medium? Just, just, Just make a Larry David-esque noise. Uh, I don't care about the Texas bullpen. Uh, Brett Martin has gotten a few saves. Good for him. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) the only thing i actually (laughs) the only thing i actually care about is that a prediction that i made in a in a random throwaway statement back in our relief pitcher preview uh came true and garrett richard got a one-out save the other day so i'm i'm you know writing that down in my uh you know in my all-time ledger where i keep track of all my my w's and l's which is obviously way more slanted towards the W's, but that's not the point. Uh, the Miami Marlins bullpen, I think is about to become a disaster. Jordan, do you want to say something about Jimmy Iacobonis? I can see you. I'm just Itching. waiting. I'm just waiting. <laughs> waiting. Waiting for the right time. Uh, waiting for my time to strike. All right. So Tanner Scott has been bad lately. I think Anthony Bass, at the current moment, is the most likely person to take over the closer role because he's been a closer before. Mm -hmm. Scuffled a bit last year when they signed him uh, explicitly to be the closer, but he's been awesome this year. Bass has been so good. The Miami bullpen is going to get interesting because Scott has been struggling. Bass has been awesome. They have Dylan Floro. They have mr yakobonis of of mr jordan's Jordan's father's name call me jimmy (laughs) Uh, they have mr jimothy yakobonis and then they also have anthony bender who will be coming back soon a former favorite of in the deep because he's just got some truly filthy stuff uh anthony bender actually had a four save week earlier this year which I distinctly remember because he was on my bench in TGFBI putting up those four saves. Chef's kiss. I'm not bitter. And <laughs> lastly, I need to mention one more time, Andres Munoz, who I did a deep dive on last week. He is still my current favorite reliever stash. If you uh, have room on your team for reliever stashes, there is a non-zero chance he turns into a mini Edwin Diaz. And yeah, no, uh, that's that's enough, really.
1: What more do I have to say? And if not, he's still really freaking good. Yes, that's that's really what it comes down to. He's probably uh the best person that we that well, sorry that that you talked about in that little reliever section there. But yeah, they they continue
2: to bring him in in the middle of innings and having him pitch you know four or five out appearances, and he continues to strike out a ton of batters. Uh, I also uh in in that section when I talked when I did the deep dive on Andres Munoz. I mentioned that our good friend Michael Ahedo was going to be writing an article about Andres Munoz, and I incorrectly said that he would be writing it for five thirty-eight. It is actually up and live on baseball prospectus, so go check that out.
1: Heck yeah. Good way to end the episode. Let's put him at Mikey. Uh Mikey, incredibly brilliant writer. God, I gotta read that still. I forgot that I haven't read it yet. I had it bookmarked to read yesterday. But all right, anyways. That's gonna be it for this week's episode of In, In the Deep. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Once again, we're gonna go through our socials so you can follow us on Twitter if you would like. Again, we have a shared podcast account that's at In the Deep PL. You can also follow us individually. Individ, individually <laughs> <laughs> You can follow us individually. You can follow Schwepsi. Uh, that th- this is how you want to end the episode? Doing a baby voice. It, this is how I want to end the episode. <laughs> Uh, you can follow Schwebzy at Schwebzy that's S-H-W-E-B-S-I no C and you can follow myself at Bunt Singles uh, and with that we'll see you next week for another episode Shwebsy. send them out bye friends oh.